Well, good morning, friends. Um, if you're willing and able this morning, why don't we stand together? We're here this morning because we serve a God who has done great things in this place, in our lives, in this world, and we believe that he's up to something good. And so we're going to sing of that this morning. We're going to sing it out to the God who does great things. Amen. Sing it out. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. Has done great things. Oh, hero! Oh, hero of heaven, conquered the grave. You free every captive, break every chain. Oh, God, we have done great things. We dance for freedom, awaken the light. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God. Oh God, 
with us. He goes before us. He surrounds us. Whatever you're going through this morning, know that the Lord who created the heavens and the earth knows you intimately today, wherever you are. He holds the universe together. He holds us together. So Lord, we sing our praise today because it's, it's the only thing we know how to do, what you've done have your way in your church, if you have your way in us today.
believe it, church. Let's stand together. Come on. we do thank you for this faithfulness that we sing of today in the midst of a world that is full of change passing seasons some green pastures 
some quiet waters and some valleys of the shadow of death. You are the consistent one. We thank you that you do not change in every season. And so we come before you, the faithful one, honestly, humbly. By your Spirit, would you focus our attention on you in these moments together today? We sing to you, God. Lord, I come and I confess the bowing here, I find my rest in you. Cause without you, I fall apart. And you're the one that guides my heart. Tell the Lord of your need. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you're my one defense you're my righteousness oh God how I need you I was singing of your grace today for where sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ where you are where you are Lord I am free cause holiness is Christ me I'll tell the Lord Lord, so teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I fall on you, faithful one. It's Jesus, you're my hope instead. Teach us, God, teach us. So teach my song to rise to you Our strength, our help When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand, I fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and
you're my one defense, Lord. You're my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Amen. What a promise for us this morning that God meets us where we need him. And uh, now is the time in our service where we get to take action and and say good morning to the people around us to pass the peace of Christ. And uh, we'll resume after that. So please pass the peace of Christ to your neighbor today. Good morning, everybody. So great to be with you today. Feel free to get that last hello in and head on back to your seat. Uh, for, those of you, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm on the church staff here. Um, and it's just another great Sunday morning to be able to worship alongside all of you. Uh, this is the point in our Sunday morning service where we're able to say goodbye to our kids and teens as they head off to their children's church and uh, youth Bible study uh, programming for the morning. Uh, so will you join me in reading uh, this uh, dismissal prayer? This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you, kids. See you, teens. Uh, before we continue with our worship service this morning, just want to make you aware of a few things that are happening around here in the life of our church. Uh, but first, if you haven't already had the opportunity, feel free to point your smartphone camera at the QR code up on the screen or on your bulletin, on the front page of your bulletin, and uh, that will take you to a link that will uh, lead you to a brief check-in form. Just let us know that you're here by putting in your name. If there's any change of contact info for you or if you have a prayer request that you'd like to share with your church staff or the rest of the church family, uh, you can put it on that form as well. So please take the time to fill out that check-in form uh, before you head out today. 
All right, first up, uh, in terms of things that are happening in the life of our church, we have our Thanksgiving food drive. You may have walked past that tall whiteboard in the foyer on your way in. And this is a partnership that we do each year uh, with Southeast San Diego Church of the Nazarene. Uh, we signed up to provide some of the items that they use to provide a community Thanksgiving dinner uh, the week of Thanksgiving to those in need in their neighborhood. And so you can help out by signing up on that whiteboard to either bring some of the food items that are needed for that meal to donate uh, to them, or you can also sign up on that whiteboard to uh, go attend the event and help with the service of that dinner. And so if you want to sign up to bring any of those items or help out with that event, uh, please go and find Rihanna at the end of the service in the foyer next to that very tall whiteboard. Um, also coming up next week, a week from today, is our final Morning Tide service of the year. If you haven't already had the chance to attend Morning Tide, this happens on the first Sundays of every month. We meet over in the Ellipse Chapel at 9 a.m., and it's just a time for some additional spiritual reflection, uh, additional music as well, before we get started with our 1030 worship service in here. So I encourage you all to attend that if you haven't already had the opportunity um, at 9 a.m. next Sunday. The reason that that is the last one for the year in November is that the first Sunday of December, the 4th, is our annual Joyful Sounds of Christmas uh, service. So that takes place over in the FLC. Uh, Victor Lubensky, once again, providing leadership over our Christmas choir, putting that service together. And there's two times for that, 9 a.m. and 10.30. Same service at both times. You don't have to go to both. You can if you want to. I totally understand. I love Christmas music. I'm waiting uh, probably till it gets closer to Thanksgiving to start listening, but I'm very excited to do so. Um, and so that's also a great service if you want to invite some of your neighbors, your friends from the community, have them come. It's a great musical telling of the Christmas story and just really gets us in the season, uh, in the spirit for the season of Christmas coming up. Um, in addition to Joyful Sounds, we have other Advent services that I just want to make sure you're aware of are on your calendar. Uh, the season of Advent kicks off the Sunday after Thanksgiving. We have a worship service again in here at 1030. Following Sunday is Joyful Sounds. After that, we have our children's musical, which will be in here in Brown. Um, I've been a part of the team that's helping prep, those, prep the kids for that uh, musical, and they're doing a great job, and I'm really looking forward to having you all get the chance to see it. Um, and then we also have our Christmas Eve service scheduled for 5 p.m. right in here in Brown Chapel. And this year, uh, Christmas morning is on, there's a typo on that screen, excuse me, but December 25th, Christmas morning is on a Sunday. And so we're going to have a brief uh, service over in the Ellipse Chapel for those that would like to celebrate with your church family that morning, uh, also at 10.30 a.m. And then be sure to mark your calendars if you're up early ready to go on uh, January 1st, actually, uh, Sunday in that Family Life Center. Please join us for the New Year's Sunday breakfast, a great way to kick off the new year uh, with your church family. So just want to make sure that all of those uh, dates are on your radar. And if you're subscribed to our church uh, newsletter that goes out in the email every Friday, uh, these dates are in there as well, as well as on the bulletin. So make sure that those are on your calendar, and we look forward to seeing you and celebrating the Christmas season with you. Uh, we're going to continue with our worship now, and I'd like to invite um, Benji and Becky to come forward for our scripture reading. Good morning. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, 
the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on the tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by his faith. The word of the Lord. Grateful to have uh, the musicians join me today on uh, a song I got to write a couple of years ago with my younger sister. Uh, as we rehearsed it this morning, I said to them, this still feels like a really, really earnest prayer in my life. The song's called Open Hands. And at the time when I was writing it, there was a young woman who was a student here that I knew was going through some Tremendous difficulty in her life. And so many gifts. And I had a vision in my mind as I, I saw her in this room here, in this sanctuary, um, of standing there in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death and just holding her hands open. And what it means for us to do this and what it, what it embodies for us, a surrender of everything. Um, so maybe as we sing this, you might want to just hold your hands open on your lap. And I believe what we're offering up to God is certainly our hopes and our dreams and our possessions and our relationships. But we also offer up to God our disappointments and our doubts and our hurt. We just sit with open hands and an open heart. And so I pray that this song would minister to you today as you again on a new day desire to surrender all that you have and all that you are to God who is faithful and is with us. Yours. All my 
my gifts and all of my strength Here I am, my mess is yours The darkest nights my brokenness All my joy, all my pain All I have Open heart When fear is strong Surrounding me God calm my Open 
Thank you, Justin and Praise Band. Thank you, George, for that song. I love the lines, all my mess and all my best, except in the song it came all my best first and then all my mess, but in my life it typically is I come to God with all my mess before I figure out how to give God all my best. Beautiful song. Before we jump into Habakkuk, uh, there are a couple things that I would like to make mention of. First, at the close of last week, um, Stephanie spoke and uh, just felt moved to talk about those who might be imagining a future that um, is different than you might have imagined yesterday, those who might be called in new directions, those who might be called into ministry or missions or whatever it might be. And I thought, wow, it just is awkward to leave that out hanging without any kind of follow-up to that. If in the course of last Sunday or last six months or this week, there's some ways in which God has been working your life and you just want somebody to think along with you, I invite you to just call the church office, call me, send an email message to Matt, myself, or one of the staff, there are some wonderful pieces of literature within our denominational tradition. One of them just recently came out called Send Me, a guide to those who might be interested in missions work. So well done. And it just talks about steps, no matter what stage in life that thought might come. And would be happy to have uh, you have a copy of that if that's of interest to you at all. And I just wanted to make mention of that as a follow-up. On a completely different note, um, such a wonderful praise band this morning. Often Austin is up front leading us, and he suggested that if I felt it was appropriate to just make mention that he and Sophia are now engaged. And so I am passing that on to all of you. I was glad that he wanted me to share that. Shared it in the little prayer time ahead of time, and uh, someone piped up and said it's about time. I don't know that that's appropriate at all. <laughs> but I do think that it is great that it took place. One other thing that is so exciting, yesterday we had a, a membership class gathering. We'll have another one real soon if you were interested in participating but didn't get a chance to. Um, I would like those who were there yesterday and wanting to join in membership uh, to come forward, stand right here. Just give me a chance to introduce you to everyone. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot or call you out because you may have changed your mind since yesterday, but if you haven't, come on up here. Um, just wonderful to have you. You can stand right here, but just face the crowd. 
Um, we go through the covenant of membership. We talk about the history of the church, both as a denomination and as a local church. There are some wonderful pieces that uh, we learn about who we are and our identity and what we're not only coming from, but where we're hoping to go. So um, I just wanted to take a few moments to do that and introduce to you some wonderful people. Denny and Betty Klaus on my far right have um, joined in uh, full-fledged in volunteering and helping with all kinds of things. I have yet to hear them say no. I hope we can learn when the, when the load's getting too much. But they keep saying yes to volunteering around here, and um, it is wonderful to have you here. Having moved down here a couple years ago, right? Has it been about two years now? So, so glad to have you here with us and joining in. Tom Looney in front of me, who's been a teacher in the San Diego area for, I don't know what it was, 30 years maybe? A lot, one year, okay. Oh, more than that, okay. So um, just started attending our church this year and such a treat to have you as part of our fellowship. And then Jack and Diana Rodriguez. Jack's been a co-pastor this, in this Southern California area with me ever since I've been here and is moving his membership to this location. Um, Diana, as well, has been involved at a district level in missions and involved in our choir for several years, and it's so wonderful to have you as part of this fellowship. Um, the Church Covenant talks about um, what we believe in and our willingness to give of ourselves and our gifts and talents and time and resources to help us to be a better place, to join together in fellowship, and to give attention to the sacraments and those things that mark time in the life of a church. And to do that with this group is so marvelous. I feel so privileged. And I hope you will join me in welcoming them into official membership of the church. Thank you all. You may be seated. Um, I... As I jump into Habakkuk, I am very aware in this particular place that um, digging into a book that feels so foreign, sometimes it helps to do it in dialogue. Um, we've been in a series that's taken us into some of the Old Testament prophets, Lamentations, Jeremiah, Joel, Habakkuk. And these are prophets, uh, not necessarily the passage we looked at last week with Joel, but um, these are prophets who include in their prophetic words significant lament, speaking about difficult things. And Habakkuk is no exception. So I've asked a couple people to come up and join me. Michelle Shoemaker, Matt Wilson, will you come up and join me and help us to dig a little bit deeper into this. We didn't designate places wherever you all want to be, so grab a microphone, I'll... Okay, boom, that worked out great. Um, so before we jump in, I just want to make sure you're aware, we've got some guests, so grateful from um, the... Uh, Bull's family that, Wayne, you would have some of your family come and join us after a beautiful service yesterday for Francis 
and for some of you to come and be part of this. So great to have you here. Matt, next to me, is also one of the pastors here on staff and uh, has had a variety of responsibilities here at the church, um, continues with your schooling and all that that brings in your life and your wonderful family. Michelle, I'm going to, instead of saying things about you, I'm going to ask, could you tell us a little bit about the things that are occupying your time in these recent years? Um, Habakkuk is very relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Um, There's been a bit of lament over the last several years, but I've been in good places for that. And um, I started seminary in the fall of 2019 at Fuller after years of just really feeling a dissonance in uh, what I believed or grew up believing about the gospel and then what I saw when I came back from a trip to Jerusalem in 2012. And I just came back captivated by how many people are on that Dome of the Rock, that temple of all different faiths, loving God with all their heart and their mind and their strength. And I came back just going, okay, something is much bigger here at work than I can ever imagine. And that has kind of sent me on a, a, a journey. Many of you, you know that I've worked with the Center for Justice here on campus and um, the anti-human trafficking and helped form an organization called Churches Against Trafficking. And lots and lots of, of good stuff that led to Melissa at some point, Tucker, just saying, have you ever thought about chaplaincy? So um, in order to be a chaplain, you have to have an MDiv. So I started both of those and it's been a thick and a rich time, Wonderful. especially doing that alongside the events of all that's gone yeah. on. Just one more, since you brought it up, uh, chaplaincy work, you've actually been engaged in doing that even though you've not quite completed the MDiv. Where have you been at and what has been kind of the assignment there? So I've been at Sharp Memorial as a full-time chaplain since um, 2021. And uh, it's been an interesting journey. I was assigned to the medical ICU where most, well, no, I won't say most, many people did not make it. And I was, at the, I was in the COVID ward, and my job was to call the patients' families and then to go in and pray with them. And um, it was a thick time. I think it helped me to not deal with the chaos that was going on the outside of the world, um, but walking along people that, and families, just so I'd pray on the phone with them and then go in. And the interesting thing is I was able to, I felt so honored that I was able to be in these rooms when their family members could not. At the beginning, their families could not come in and they would die alone. But the chaplains were there. There's about 10 of us on staff all the time. Um, you don all the PPEs, the gown, the mask, the shield, the gloves, everything. And then you go in and do what you're gonna do. Many times I just sat or I prayed or I sang or I played music even read the Game of Thrones to one family that wanted me to read the Game of Thrones to their patient. And all of his oxygen levels went up. It was pretty wild to think about what spirituality is. But then also, then at the end, I take off the PPEs, throw them in the trash, and then go out to the new patient and find all the PPEs. And they're always in different places, the mask, the shield, the, you know, and then go into the next room. And then I did that all day long. And there became a liturgy of the donning and the doffing of the PPEs as I was prepared to go into a room. And then take it off and throw it away and go into the next room. And just the honor of being in those places. Um, many of my tribe were in there that didn't make it, but the biggest demographic, which was really hard to see, was um, the 35 to 55-year-old Latino who has spent a life working with wood and paint, automotive fumes, and when they got COVID, they didn't make it. And um, 
on the outside of the hospital, I have parentals who are not on the same trajectory. And, um, and I stand in the middle of this place where I've got kids out. My daughter, she's right here. When the day that George Floyd killed, that set off a lot of stuff, right? And my kids were out going to protests while my parents are crying liberal agenda Marxism. <laughs> You know, and I'm in the middle of these people. I love both dearly, and I know both hearts, and I know both have great intentions and love Jesus. But I'm in this place of great sorrow right now because that chasm that happened at that moment has only gotten wider. So the hospital has been this place where I get to just go and be with the least of these and fill my eyes with them and not the sadness um, outside. So this is, I feel like Habakkuk. God, what the heck? but yet I trust you. So great setup to kind of refresh our memory for those who have read Habakkuk before, but many have not. So we need to just kind of set the stage for this. The framework for this brief three chapter book is Habakkuk. And in terms of prophetic literature, this is a little unusual. Prophets typically we read of proclaiming to the people God's voice or God's word. Habakkuk does just the opposite. He proclaims to God what he and the people are feeling. So it's a real contrast here. In some ways, because of the lament nature of it, it feels a little bit more like some of the Psalms um, in terms of how it's structured. But it goes like this. At the very beginning of chapter 1, Habakkuk offers his complaint to God. Then God responds. Habakkuk comes back with a second complaint and God responds. And then the third chapter is Habakkuk's prayer. So these are the components that we're looking at. The the reading was really just a small portion at the beginning of chapter 1 and chapter 2, but since we rarely get an opportunity to dig in Habakkuk, we're going to just consider this whole book as we take it a little bit further. So help us, Matt, with the context. What's happening when Habakkuk is writing this? Yeah, it's a really interesting time in the Israelite history uh, to go backwards a little bit. Uh, At this point, Judah in the southern kingdom is all that's left of the people of Israel. The northern kingdom had been destroyed by the Assyrians. And uh, right before Habakkuk, uh, we have this king come on the scene for the, for the people of Israel, for Judah, and his name is Josiah. And Josiah is, has decided, hey, we're going to renovate the temple. We need some new curtains. We need a new bathroom. Let's, re- let's renovate it. And in, do, in so doing... Kind of like we did here. Exactly what we did. Great. We did not find what uh, <laughs> found. Josiah found, right, right. which was Josiah found the Torah kind of hidden away in some crawl space. And the priest came like, we found this ancient book. What do we do with it? And Josiah laments that they had not followed any of what had taken place. There were different idols. They had not celebrated Passover, none of this. And so Josiah has the people of Israel in the Southern kingdom just do this massive reformation tearing down all the idols, kind of going alone and saying, we're only going to worship Yahweh, only going to worship God. And so for 18 years, Josiah is doing this reformation and bringing the people of God back into right relationship. Well, 
Egypt to their south, uh, is growing weary of Babylon, the, the, the empire that's really rising in the east. And so as, as a way of creating a buffer zone between Egypt and Babylon, Egypt attacks Judah and King Josiah dies in battle. This good, faithful king dies. And eventually who is appointed on the throne is an Egyptian appointee who brings back all of the idols, brings back all of the worship of these different gods and uh, does not want the people of Israel following Torah. And essentially in this battle, the, the wrong king dies. This is a good and faithful king. And in the midst of that, now that they, we've got Jehoiakim, who's just going to do the bidding of the Egyptians, Habakkuk shows up going, hey, we had the right king, God. We were on the right path. What happened? We see all these injustices taking place. What, what's, what is this about? Why did the, the right king die? I, one of the things that I love about what Habakkuk portrays is that it's okay to go to God and say, why? When circumstances aren't what we thought they ought to be, or God doesn't seem to be conducting God's self the way we think God should, that here we have a prophet who says, God, what are you doing? Why this? And, and what am I supposed to take away from this? When circumstances seem to go south. I also, before you leave this, um, the, the frustration that it's the Babylonians that are going to do justice. Just yeah. tell us why that's such a, an irritant. Because the Babylonians are just like the Egyptians. So they are worshiping different gods. They're heathens. Like this, why, why would we have justice come by way of a foreign hand? Why wouldn't God just use us, use Israel? I mean, I think that's what's in the mind of Habakkuk is like, why using this, these foreign people who aren't us, who are not following your ways, who are just doing more of the same violence that Egypt is doing, why use them? I think it's also fascinating that as Habakkuk writes God's response in God's response that you can read is this description of how terrorizing they are. I mean, it's like, like God's God not unaware of it because they've got horses that move like cheetahs. Yeah. They've got people that come from all kinds of places to join in with the battle. They have fortified cities mean nothing to them. They build these mm. ramparts that they take over and then they just kind of go up ah, and move on to the next place. Yeah, this is a devastating people that is that makes you question so many aspects of the book and the, uh, joining with Habakkuk and like, why does God using this violence to do God's will and using these terrible people to do this? Why? 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 <laughs> so you're asking us why? <laughs> Where does it begin? <laughs> Which is one of the things that like, yes. And, and so much of the biblical canon it is canonized our asking of why, of being angry with God, uh, of lamenting, not just individually, but communally. But much like the book of Job, and, and Job's kind of like quandary of like, well, why did this happen to me? He, I mean, he's not having access to the kind of game that God and Satan are playing. 
Um, and he's having questions of why. And he has these three friends going like, it's this way, it's that way. It's so much of it is that. Like, why, why, why? We get these canons of why, but we never get an answer. I do love at the end of Job, I think it's 40 verse 4, where finally God says, where were you when I laid the foundations, when I separated the earth, when I made the ostriches and the whales? And at the end of that, after all these complaints, Job just goes, who am I? I put my hand over my mouth. Because he understood that God's ways are so unfathomable. And it is a way to look at the hard things that there's something so much bigger at play. Yeah, in that if... If we were to have the answer why, we would create a formula and do that thing. We would explain the why, we have the why, and we would worship that why, the answer to the why. But we do know why Babylon came. Tell us. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. Um, well, let me get my Bible out. Um, I just want to read one passage, and it was just... I turned this paper in the morning of the George Floyd episode, and it was on Jeremiah's temple sermon in chapter seven. And God does an interesting thing. He tells Jeremiah to go stand in the gates of the temple. So he's not talking to the world. He is talking to God's people. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and let me dwell with you in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple. This is the temple. You keep saying these words. This is the church. This is the church. This is the church. (laughs) But he says, for if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly with one another, and if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, and shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place that I gave to your ancestors long ago, in this land that I gave your ancestors long ago. Abraham Heschel, he's a rabbi, he says this, the, the telos, the end of God's wrath is always his love. And God will bring wrath, and he does over and over again when we don't take care of the people that are the weak. In Matthew 25, it says the least of these, where were you, God? I didn't see you, but I, he was the least of these. And when we don't attend to them, God's wrath comes. Now, now the people that get mixed up in that, the weak, the Israelites are sitting there going, because they weren't all bad, <laughs> Right? People that are broken are asking those questions. God, where are you? But at the end of this passage, God tells Jeremiah to stop praying. Don't even pray for them. I won't hear your prayers. I'm going to stand with Babylon and burn you down. And that's just where I was going with the why. And I feel like there's so much in, in the trajectory of God's work and then the people that have to live in the aftermath and say, God, why? So it's, is that a formula? No, no, that I think that's a recognition of the reality of the world in which we live. And I think one of the powerful pieces, and I want both of you to help me with some takeaways. What is it that you draw out of this for your own personal journey? But I think one of the powerful things for me is that Habakkuk is honest, Mm -hmm. blunt, but at the close of each complaint, Habakkuk says, and I'll wait. And I don't feel like it's said sarcastically, waiting, God, I'm waiting. I don't feel like it's manipulative where 
where Habakkuk says, waiting. I think it's this honest posture that connects with what you just said, Michelle, that there is a story. Where were you in creation? There's a storyline that goes back long before you. And there's a story that's going long after you. You've been invited to participate in this. And Habakkuk, I think, knows that. And in the midst of saying, this day seems impossible. But I want you to know, Lord, I'm waiting. It reminds me of, I've referenced it before, the powerful closing line of a poem by John Milton. The title of the poem is On His Blindness, is is the name of the poem. And it concludes with this line, they also serve who just stand and wait. That there is a service that happens when we wait to see how this story unfolds and where God might lead us. That, for me, is one of the very personal takeaways, to not be rushed into the next thing that I have to do, that I have to figure out, that I have to accomplish, but to see what's in front of me and go, okay, God, I need to pause, Selah, in your presence. Personal takeaways, things that you see here that hit home for you. For me, uh, to join with that is the, the end of this book ends with, with a pause, Selah. And Habakkuk saying that he's going to find his strength in God. And even amidst all of the like big questions the, in the midst of the, the necessary pauses, Habakkuk has framed his, his life around continuing to do what God had called him to do, no mm-hmm. matter the, <laughs> the complicated answers. Habakkuk is one who sees the injustice that Michelle is talking about, right? The, the line in there in verse, uh, chapter one, verse three, that, that the law is slack and there's justice, injustice all around. And that doesn't keep Habakkuk's questions at bay. It probably even pronounces them. And yet it is the worship of God that, that remains, finding one's identity, even in the mystery of what God is doing in, hmm. in the suffering of God's people. And that for, for me, I just too quickly, to your point, go ahead and try to like over theologize the answers to being like, well, this is how God speaks. And it like, could be all great and right theology, but I don't hang with worship closely enough. Hmm. I go hmm. to um, trying to explain through through study or through my mind, instead of just opening my heart, opening up what might be something beyond my consideration and the broadness of how God is working in the world. Thanks. Yeah, I think um, the last paragraph, are you going to read it? The praise? Oh, oh go ahead. I, I paraphrased it. You can read it. Well, and we don't have to read it, but just the last line. He's just Habakkuk. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, 
the fields are empty, the, the, the stables are empty, there's no more food, there's no more juice, there's no more oil, but yet I trust you and I extol you, the God of my salvation. And I feel like as I've learned over sitting with people with hopeless situations, um, the people of my tradition and tribe are often, God, why did this happen to me? I haven't prayed enough. I didn't go to church enough. How could God let this happen to me when they get a cancer diagnosis or three weeks to live or three months to live? But I've noticed that the traditions and the tribes of people that have been through persecution for centuries, when I go into those rooms, especially the older African-American women in these beds, and they say, well, God is with me. I trust him. And there's been a life of lament there. And just like that we've talked about, there's so much lament in the Psalms. They say like 80% of the Psalms contain some sort of lament in them. But there's always the second voice. I have to do my microphone like this. But yet I trust you. But yet you are everlasting to everlasting. You are the God of my salvation. And I don't think that ever solves itself, but learning to sit with people and not solve their problems. If you close your eyes and think about the time that you were ministered to the most in your life, I guarantee you, I don't guarantee you, most likely it was with someone's actions and not their words. And that's the best we can do for people, for ourselves. Let God sit with us and sit with others. Yeah. Thank you. I, I would like as a close, that closing passage in Habakkuk, chapter three, the very end. I love to paraphrase things in my prayer time just to fit what it feels like it's saying to me. And you're right, it talks about the figs not blooming, the olives not, branches not producing anything. Um, It talks about the fields, the stalls are empty. And I just think more, what is it today? God, the cupboards just seem like they're bare. The shelves seem empty. And I don't think there's going to be a paycheck for another couple weeks, maybe longer. (sighs) And then Habakkuk follows that by saying, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I don't think it's a phony build-up rejoice. I think it is this recognition of reclaiming a peace that allows us to sit tight and watch the story unfold as hard as it sometimes is and sometimes when not great things happen in the next day or two or week or month because sometimes the answer is years in the making which actually happens in this story a generation in the making And so we'd like to invite all of us as a community into a few moments of silence, whatever your circumstances might be. And this might be a season of great rejoicing because the circumstances are beautiful. Thanks be to God. Don't try and pretend it's something else. Let it be a time of praise. For some of us, we bring circumstances into these moments that feel like a bit of a lament, or we've been in a lament that's gone for a long time. And this is one more day in that. Just to be quiet before God and to allow the Spirit to remind us of a storyline that goes back to the beginning of creation and continues through eternity where God's about the business of redemption and reconciliation.
and hope and renewal. At the end of a few moments of silence, we're just going to offer several prayers. We hope they reflect your prayers as well. Then the choir is going to come and close out our service this morning. Let's pray together, beginning with a few moments of silence. Lord, will you hold our tears in your heart? Lord, tune our hearts, even in silence, to your wonderful and wild creation. Mm. O creator and sustainer and maker of the vast and beautiful cosmos, we praise you. We know you are good and you are from everlasting to everlasting. We just ask that you would fill us with your abundance and your joy, that it would well within, up within us and gush into eternal life. Lord, when we, when we join those who are in pain and suffering, Lord, Move us towards holding that tension. Move us towards the presence, your presence among us. Keep us from empty platitudes. Keep us from comments that only make us feel like we're doing something mm -hmm. rather than fully being present with those even in silence with those who have suffered injustice, who have suffered loss, who are unsure of the future. God, we have so much to learn. Will you teach us how, we, how to carry the weight of someone else's circumstances simply by being present? Teach us, Lord.
God, we just ask that you would help us to see those you want us to see, to love those mm. that you want us to love, and to be with those you want us to be. Align our hearts with your heart, God. Help us to feel you around us and over us and in us, mm. strengthening us and guiding us. Thank you that you are the God who sees us. Lord, help us to taste, see, hear, and touch the storyline that is bigger than ourselves. When circumstances dominate our vision, will you allow your spirit to well up inside of us the story of creation, the story of, as Michelle said, the cosmos, the the wonderful ways in which you are at work and the frightening ways at which you are at work help us to see something bigger than ourselves and in the midst of that, trust ourselves to you. So Lord, we echo with Habakkuk a prayer that you would hear us, our hurt, our complaint, our pain, and our hope. And then teach us how to wait as the story unfolds. We ask these things because you've invited us to present our deepest needs to you. Our petitions, our hopes. We do this following Jesus' teaching. And we ask that the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples will fill the gap when we don't know how to pray. And so we offer it this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
I invite you to stand for a closing benediction. Beautiful song, as with gladness, men of old will be played as a postlude, but let this be our benediction as you are dismissed. Oh God, will you pour down your spirit upon us? Will you fill us with your love? And in the midst of whatever circumstances we face, will you, oh Lord, give us the strength to endure, the hope to see a vision of the future, and filled with love, may we give love away in the extravagant way in which you have poured it out upon us. Now go in God's peace, God's grace, and God's love. God be with you.